You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. We as a family are Christ-centered, spirit-led. We as a family, family is love, family is honoring, family is genuine, family is empowering, and family is impacting. Our little, our little uh, snippet that we wrote, I guess, for uh, family is impacting is our family is committed to see the impact of the kingdom of God in cold lakes, surrounding areas, and the whole world. We rejoice in the change that God impacts brings. We know that God has given us influence in our community and beyond, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're determined not to be narrow-minded, small-thinking church. On every occasion, we look for the opportunity to reflect the goodness of God to those around us, for we know that God continues to place Cold Lake, Alberta on the global map. In this statement, there's a key that truly is linked to all the other family is statements, and that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking a lot about the upside-down kingdom. And here we see it again. For in life, we like to hide our weaknesses. You know, I, I, as a guy, I don't want people to know that I'm not good at something. I want to hide that. I want, I want people to think that I'm, hey, you know what? He's, he's a good guy. He's good at everything. In our work, we, hide our, we, we, we hire to our weaknesses. If, there's, if you know what, you're, you're, you're working, but you don't really know maybe the book end of it, you hire a bookkeeper. If you're, if you're not really good at the computer stuff, you hire an IT guy. And we, we hire to our weaknesses to be able to see that company be able to go forward. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, it's not about our resume. It's not about our talents. Look at the disciples. Jesus walked with them. He taught them. But you know what? They were a, they were a bunch of guys who were just kind of like guys. And something changed on the day of Pentecost where they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they turn from, from these weak guys, from Peter saying, you know what, I'll die before I deny you, to, to mighty men of God where later on Peter speaks a message and like, what, 2,000, 3,000 get saved in that one message? Let's take a look at this clip. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus said you, you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do now. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? 
Jesus. Mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. I don't know what it is. When I turn 40, I start to leak. <laughs> Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you and fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith, Christ, and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith have been shipwrecked. See, here we see Paul exhorting Timothy. And he says, according to the prophecies that were spoken over you, prophecies are words that people have spoken over Timothy's life. Now, maybe you don't have a written or a spoken word that you can hold on to, but I would suggest that that same spirit that drew you to Christ has placed hope and faith inside of you. He has given you a future. He has given you a hope. He's given, he has good plans for you. The question is this morning, do you believe it? Good plans, kingdom plans, spiritual plans. You know, encouragement is so important in the kingdom of God. We're a team. We cheer one another on in life. You know, when Elijah spoke his words, uh, they were not his words. They were from the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist spoke, he was not speaking the message of prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was speaking the Lord's message. That same spirit that moved in Elijah, Elisha, John the Baptist, etc., 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 is at work today looking for ordinary people to do or extraordinary things. See, unless our church 
is alive in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we will not be a Holy Spirit church. It will, will never, ever become a New Testament church. You know what? We can be a good church. We can even be a Christian church. But in order to become a New Testament church, we must be alive in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean, Pastor? See, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. My, I, was, I was raised in a, in a Christian home, and I thought I knew about Jesus, and I thought that I loved the Lord, but yet I really didn't, I didn't know who he was. And I remember when I got saved, I invited a buddy of mine to, to church, and he came with me, but that was something that happened all the time. I would, I would take him to the church of my mom and dad, and we would usually sneak in the basement and set up wrestling matches, and we would fight with bamboo poles and, and, and do all kinds of stuff in the basement. So when I invited him to church, he was thinking, yeah, okay, it's going to be one of those times where we just kind of get away, and we just sort of mess around and goof around and see what kind of trouble that we can get into. But something happened that day when I brought Russell Shannon, my best friend since I was a little kid, and, 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 and I brought him to the church one day, and, and we entered into that service of worship. And I'm sitting there, and I got my eyes closed, and I got my hands raised, and I'm worshiping the Lord beside my buddy, my bosom pal, my kindred spirit. And he's totally foreign to who the Lord is. His family don't know God. None of his aunties or uncles, it's completely foreign. And as I got my eyes closed, I'm just doing the worship thing. All of a sudden, I start to feel him push up against a a side of me. And you know, you got your eyes closed, you're not experiencing it, you're not expecting it, you kind of start to tumble. And I'm like, what's your problem? And I look at him, and he's on the ground. And, 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 I'm, when, and, and, I, and as soon as I looked at him, I'm kind of like, what, what are you doing, man? I was about to give it to him when he starts to scream. Ah! I'm like, I think he's demon-possessed. Oh, my goodness. Like, I have no idea what to do. And then he just starts to weep. And I'm like, dude, what is your matter? And he got up and he said something that I never, ever forgot. You know what he told me? He says, Lance, I met Jesus. He says, just as the guys were singing, he says, I saw Jesus come in the room. And I was just kind of watching. And he walked up and he came right up to me. And then he just kind of smiled at me. And then he reached into my heart and he grabbed everything that was evil everything that I'd done, and he ripped it out. And when he ripped that out, he said, I screamed in pain. It lands, it hurts so much. But after it was done, I felt something that I've never felt before. Freedom. And I'm like, wow. There wasn't a preacher preaching. I, I never prepared him for, for coming to to meet with the Lord? I just kind of said, hey, man, you want to come down to church? There's a lot of good-looking girls there. He's like, yeah, let's go. But yet at that very moment, he came face-to-face with the Holy Spirit. My friends, we are a Pentecostal church. We understand the infilling of the Holy Ghost 
Is that part of your life? Is that part of your home? Is that part of who you are? Because if not, then I believe that we need to get on our face and say, God, I need to be filled. I need a fresh touch because Lord Jesus, this power of the Holy Spirit is for today. 1 Corinthians 14 says, let your love be the highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. If we are to be equippers, if we are to be people of impact, we desperately need the filling of the Holy Ghost. See, I love the look, Luke 4, and Luke 4 became, in this last year or, or two, Luke 4 became something that was an eye-opening scripture for me. Because I always thought that when we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we got it all. We're done. But I, now I realize that it's just it's a journey in the Holy Ghost, learning who the Holy Spirit is. See, Jesus, the Bible says in Luke 4, stepped in the, uh, walked in, into the wilderness time there uh, in the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he faced a 40-day fast. After the 40-day fast, he was tempted by the Lord, uh, by the devil. And then after he left that, that place, the Bible says he left in the power of the Holy Ghost. Pastor, why don't we see signs and wonders today? Why are, why are they seeing them over in Africa and China and all this kind of stuff, but we are not seeing it? You know what? I think our problem, and I include me in this, is we become complacent. We just become satisfied with what we have, and we don't press in to say, God, if there's more, I want it. God, I need to be so hungry for you. I need to be so desperate for the things of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be hungry to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I guess the question is how? Nehemiah 13 says, In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashod, Ammon and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashod and could not speak the language of Judah, because, uh, but people spoke according to the language of one or the other people. This really is an odd scripture. It says that half the children spoke the language of Ashad, but could not speak Hebrew, the language of Judah. See, there's, if you look on the internet in, the B, in BBC, BBC shows that there's an estimated 7,000 languages are being spoken in the world. But that number is expected to shrink rapidly in the coming decades. In 1992, a predominant U.S. linguist studied the academic world by predicting that by the year 2100 that 90% of the world's languages would have ceased to exist. If this study was accurate, we're losing a language every six and a quarter days in the modern world. Now, what does that mean? Why is that important? You see, I found out that my sixth great-grandfather was a father of confederation in Canada. He was one of the guys who started, the, started Canada. But in saying that, if you look back even a little bit farther, when, when the Steves came to Canada, they came over the boat, boat from Germany. But I know that my father, my grandfather, and I know my great-grandfather don't speak German. In the Steves culture, in the, in, in the Steves line, German has ceased to exist. 
There was a German explorer, uh, Alexander von Humboldt. He came across a parrot once who spoke 40 words from the lost tribe of Atours. The last words of that tribe were, that were ever spoken were spoken by a bird. The death of the language is a terrible tragedy. There are cultures that are being lost because it's taking away the bridge to the past. In the Amazon, there's a tribe that uses a substance called kore to place on their darts. Kore is a poison that can kill a man within seconds. Yet their children are going to border schools, and not one of the children of this tribe speak the language of their fathers and their grandfathers. And it is, dangerously in, it is in danger of falling away very shortly. We see in Nehemiah that there are people, as people begin to lose their language, it's a sure sign that people themselves, uh, as they are knowing, will become extinct. There is also a reality in the spiritual realm here. There's a generation who's growing up who does not know the language of the Spirit. A generation who doesn't understand Pentecostalism. The culture of the time has become our primary language. My friends, if we lose the ability to pray in the Spirit, we will become like that Amazon tribe without the poison on the dart to be able to hit the enemy and stop him in his tracks. There is power in tongues. There is power in prayer. And it is dangerous when we see people running around quoting half Bible and half Oprah Winfrey. Half word of God and half humanism. Half living for Jesus and half living for the world. When this begins to happen, we're going to lose something precious. In Nehemiah 13, the people had broken covenant of God. They had married women from the pagan nations, and now the walls have been destroyed, and here's children, Jewish children, playing the speech, speaking words that were not Hebrew. We're seeing the same thing happening today. In the spirit, a generation who do not know the God of our ancestors, they do not know the God of our fathers, they do not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A generation who was foreign to the Holy Ghost. A generation who was foreign to praise and worship. A generation who is unfamiliar with travail and the power of sticking together, leaning on God through the good times and through the bad. We've adopted a philosophy of the world, pushing academics, making money or security our driving force. We've adopted the world cultures by saying, marry the rich and famous and your life will be well. I love Disney, but look at Disney movies and what they do to our kids. You want to be a princess? No problem. Marry into it. Do this, do that, and it's all going to be the fairy tale. My friends, this is not our primary language. Our primary language, our language, our primary language is Jesus died on a cross to take away our sins, to give us relationship with the Lord in in a father and son daughter role. Peter laid out a formula of sorts for every single believer in Acts 2-3 when he says, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Most of us in this room, we have kids. And as our kids get older and older, they're going to go deeper and deeper into a worldly culture. You know what? In fact, this week I was speaking with one of the parents, and they told me a story, and I asked them if I could share it. And it really did blow me away. She says, you know what, my daughter is in grade five, and in grade five they take sex ed at school. And she says as she was taking the sex ed and uh, the teacher was in the room doing the thing, one of the kids put up their hand and asked the teacher a question. She says, teacher, how old do we have to be to be able to have sex? 
And the teacher didn't really know how to answer that question, so she says, you know what, that's up to you and your parents. You'll have to talk to them and, and, and chat about that. But when, once that teacher said that, it opened up a whole new realm of questions. One kid put up their hand and said, we've had that talk. My mom says that we can have sex at age 16. And then another girl put up her hand. She says, yeah, well, my mom says I can do it at age 13. And once that happened, the teacher in the class dropped the chalk and just went, oh, my goodness. That is the culture that our kids are being raised in. That is the standard that they're being taught in schools or being taught by their friends is okay. Acts 2.38 says, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions and sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 6, 4-6 today. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. Friends, we as parents, we can't be blind. It's our role and responsibility to pour faith and Jesus into our kids. You know what, parents? We have such an awesome opportunity to be able to say, you know what, faith, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Faith, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. To bring the Lord into every single circumstance. If you're a grandparent, oh man, as the grandbabies are sitting with you, share about Jesus. Share about faith. Talk about the stories about when you saw God do awesome things. Encourage them. You know, the, the, the tribes of Israel built little Ebenezers all over the place. And, and when kids walked by and said, Mom and Dad, what is this, this here for? Oh, let me tell you. Here's where the Lord did this for us. Here's where the Lord did that for us. And the, the kids would just be like, Wow. We have to build Ebenezer's in our home. We need to establish his foundations where we're speaking faith, where we're speaking Jesus, where we're speaking life. We need to tell them the stories. For we don't show Jesus and we don't do it at home and we, and we believe that, okay, you know what, they're going to get it with Pastor Cynthia at, at, in, in children's ministry. We're mistaken. It's not enough. Because they're submersed in the culture that is not our primary language. They have to be submersed everywhere that they go with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Grandparents, you have such a great time. I think I'm going to take the grandbabies out for, for, for McDonald's today. Come on, let's go to McDonald's. And all of a sudden, Junior grabs a Big Mac and starts What are you doing, boy? We need to give thanks for that before we eat it. All oh, right, Grandma. Right. Sorry, Grandma. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Faith, faith, faith. Pastor, you're being fanatical this morning. No, I'm not. I'm being countercultural. In Genesis 17, the Lord makes a covenant with Abraham, and he gives him a commandment that the male children must be circumcised as a sign of the covenant that he's making. Yet something happened in the desert while the Israelites were walking the promised land. They stopped circumcising their children. Why? I don't know. 
Perhaps they, they stopped talking about it. It became forgotten. It was a commandment that the Lord gave, yet it was now not happening. It's so important for us not to lose our primary language, to forget what the Lord has promised us. This is why I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, being filled with faith, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I'm talking about it so we don't forget. We don't want to become extinct. But then Joshua, a man full of faith, in Joshua chapter 5, circumcises a whole generation. And the coolest thing happens in Joshua 5, 8. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places and camped till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach that Egypt has placed upon you. The people have been walking through the desert. They've been doing all this stuff. Joshua stands up and says, we're going to remember what the Lord did. We're going to circumcise a whole generation of people. That was a lot of circumcision. There was a tower of foreskins. It was awful. But on that day, the Lord says, I remove the reproach from Israel that he's placed upon you. What is reproach? Reproach is shame. Reproach is disgrace. Do you deal with shame? Do you deal with disgrace? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Faith, faith, faith. That's our primary language. And the people on that day, they took the mark of circumcision. You know what? I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And every year I would take the youth group down to YC. And you know what? I love YC. And if you've never been to YC, it's worth it to pick up a ticket and just to go and just to experience it. 17,000 teenagers lifting their hands in surrenderance to God. It's powerful. But you see, I wonder this morning, what would happen if those 17,000 kids took that mark for Jesus and just say, you know what, it's not going to be about an event it's not going to be about us all getting together in Edmonton and worshiping, because I tell you, that's a powerful service. But they left YC with a mark, a circumcision of their heart. 17,000 teenagers would then be released in Alberta. I tell you, Alberta would never, ever be the same. We need to make Jesus our primary language. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be speaking in tongues at home and speaking in tongues in the street and speaking in tongues as we're driving, saying, Lord, I need you. God, I need to press into what you have for me. Parents, Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1-5, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues in you. This next generation will not speak what they have not heard. 
We need to teach them to praise. We need to teach them to dance. We need to speak in our heavenly languages. We need to show them what it looks like to lay on the floor in a prostrate position, praying and seeking the Lord. One thing that I've heard from parents as a youth pastor is, Pastor, I'm really concerned about my teen. Why? What's going on? They're just not interested in the Lord. You know what? They, they, they come to church service, and, and when the church service comes, they just kind of sit down, and, and, and as the worship comes, they just kind of play on a, on a, on a gadget or, or text on the phone. And they're not engaging in the things of the Holy Spirit, and it's bringing concern to me as a, as a parent. That's a concern. You know what? Again, we are of all ages here in all life groups, I understand, but but 80% of our congregation is young families with young kids. And I'm here to give you a warning of the future. If you don't want to see your kids sitting there and just like when, once the worship comes, just disengage, like I'm not interested, this is boring, then you need to model it for them. Dads, let me tell you something, dads. Guys like challenges. Our men's mentoring, which is happening, is, that's this Monday, isn't it? This Monday, men's mentoring is happening Monday night. It's here at the church, and uh, we're actually talking about fathering right now and men's mentoring. And if we don't want to see a whole bunch of teensicles, then we've got to stop being popsicles. We need to get in that place where when worship happens, it's not kind of like, yeah, we're just kind of sauntering in with our coffee and... <sighs> got to model it we got to be who we're called to be it's got to be like yes jesus oh i can't son son come here come here come here come here stand right there stand right there okay you're standing right there lucas okay good what are you doing dad i tell you what i'm gonna do oh i'm excited right now son why are you excited because i'm about to worship the lord oh come on hurry up gord you're three minutes late come on we gotta worship we gotta worship we gotta worship we gotta worship Come on, Gordy. Come on. I'm ready to go. And all of a sudden, boom, the reverse noise boy. Yes! And we dance and we sing and we rejoice and we press in. And our kids watch and go like, is that, if you were to do that, would that be foreign now? Or be like, you know what? That's just dad being dad. That's just mom being mom. It can't become foreign. It's got to be our primary language. We love teaching our kids how to fish, how to fix stuff, how to throw a baseball. But how much more important is it a major on the majors and minor on the minors? Holy Spirit is our primary language. Son and daughter, watch me how I pray. Watch how I travail. I remember as a boy, as, as, again, from a family who, who really who really was a Christian family by name, but not by title. But I remember two times in my life getting up really early in the morning and seeing my dad kneeling at a chair. And I went up to him, and I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, just, just son, there's just something in my heart right now that I need to seek the Lord for. And I'm like, okay, Dad, can I, can I kneel with you? And I pray, kneel beside my dad, can I pray with you? Now, I, I didn't know what he was praying for. He didn't tell me. But yet I saw that whenever... Something hit mom and dad that dad knew to go into the living room and to pray. Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus. Faith, faith, faith. My friends, I believe that we need to wake up. And I believe that we need to stand in that place and just say, God, would you just rekindle my heart? God, I need you to be my primary language. I need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be just so pressing into you. Maybe you're here and you've already at the stage where you've got teens who are not engaging. You're like, you know what? I wish somebody had to preach this message 20, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. It's never, ever too late. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Faith, faith, faith. Press in. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. You know what? Maybe we've got to take a little pen and just write down that scripture that says, you know what? We are not of this world. But we're in it, but we're not of it. Place it somewhere on our mirror. Place it somewhere on our car. Place it somewhere that all of a sudden it's just kind of like, Lord, I just find that I'm getting back into the rut. I'm just getting back into the culture. Lord, help me, God, to be countercultural. Help me, Lord, to be so filled with the Holy Ghost. Help me, Lord, to be praying, to be reading the Word, to be filled with your, with, your, with your Spirit. Lord, I need you. Would you come, Gord? Would you stand with me this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm just going to ask the prayer team to come on up and, and join me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, Pastor? I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't even really know what that means. I think sometimes in, the, in, in Pentecostal churches, we get so caught up in the tongues. I don't care whether you believe it's the initial evidence of speaking, of being filled with the Spirit or not. I'm not here to, to, to minor on the minors. But I know we need it. I know we need to be filled. And I know that we need to pray in that language to be able to say, God... I want to do warfare for my family. Because God, even as a seasoned saint of God, there's times where I'm just like, Lord, I, I don't even know what to pray right now, God. And Lord, then I know I can go into that heavenly language and start praising your name, God, and just start praying. And God, something's happening in the spirit realm. I remember that, uh, that uh, speaker that we had in Banff there, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, he wrote Majesty. Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford is such a cool guy. Like, he's one of those senior saints that just when he speaks, it's just like, oh my goodness. Like a wealth of, of, of knowledge and wisdom just flows. And he says, he says, you know what? I think so many people get hung up on things. And one thing is kind of like, well, if you just say a few words that it's you're not doing, you're not praying in the spirit. We don't understand 
what the Lord is asking us to do. And we need to just step in there and just say, God, I trust you. Or sometimes in a, in a service, maybe there would be a prophetic, a, a, a word of tongues that are issued, and, and maybe it's like four or five words that kind of come out, and then an interpretation that's like six minutes long. It's like, well, obviously, that's not from the Lord because it was a short tongue, and then the interpretation is so long, or vice versa. We can't make those statements. We just have to stand in that place of faith and just say, God, I'm trusting you. And I remember as a teenager, I went home and, and I said, Lord, if there's anything to this speaking in tongues, being filled with the Spirit, God, God, I want it. And I just waited on my bedside and nothing happened. I said, okay. And I went to bed. And the next night I said the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came upon me. I just started speaking. I spoke maybe three or four words. I'm like, oh, awesome. And I went to bed. And I remember my youth pastor standing in that place just kind of saying, you know what, Lance? I think that it's really important for you to be able to be filled with the Spirit. I'm like, I'm already filled with the Spirit. He says, what? When did that happen? I said, about four months ago, back in my bedroom. He's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I didn't think it was a big deal. It was just God just was working on me. He's like, well, when God works on you as your pastor, I'd love to know these things. My friends, God's got good things for us. And if we want to have impact on our nation, if we want to have impact on our towns, on our cities, on our job sites, it starts out with being right before the Lord. Who can come before the mountain of God? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. God purify me, God. Help me, Lord, to establish a whole atmosphere of faith over my home. God, give me opportunities for Mackenzie and for Lucas and for Liberty to show them, God, that yes, they're going to be submersed in a culture, but that's their secondary language, God. Their primary language is faith, and when their other friends are running and fleeing and scared, because of the circumstances, they know not to fear because fear is not from you. If you'd like prayer this morning, I just want to turn this into an old Pentecostal service. If you'd like prayer this morning, maybe prayer to be filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe prayer just to kind of say, hey, we just want to believe that this is going to happen for you and your family, that just to constantly be reminded Maybe you're here and you don't even know, you even know who Jesus is. You're, if you're, you just kind of came here and you know, you're like, you know what, Pastor? I, 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 don't even, I haven't even asked Christ into my heart, and that's, that's the very first step. I see Melanie brought a bunch of books that we have that we usually give away to our, our, our new believers. But maybe if you're here and you're not exactly sure what that means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, on the front, on the front page here, on the front uh, chairs, we've got some books that just from uh, Gloria Copeland. It just says, God's will is the Holy Spirit. And if you'd like to have that book, I'll sow it into you, man. Bless you. Take one. But let's just start to pray and start to seek the Lord and start to say, God, am I becoming comfortable? Am I becoming a statistic, the status quo? Because, Lord, I don't want to, God. And if I am, Lord, would you just rekindle that fire in Christ's name? If not, 
We're going to just turn this place into a place of worship and prayer. And uh, when you're free to go, you're free to go. I just ask that you just kind of not do the fellowship thing in here today. You just kind of go on out to the lobby and just allow people to press in. But the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a fantastic week in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.